0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Lisa Burke. It's a great pleasure to continue to be your host and to bring you stories through Luxembourg, in Luxembourg, about Luxembourg and with the people of Luxembourg. And today we're going to tackle the topic of indexation. Not an easy one, but a very, very interesting one for many people. And joining me to discuss this topic are Jean-Paul Ollinger, who is the director of Union des entreprises Luxembourgeois. UEL, and the Institut National pour le Développement Durable et la Responsabilité Sociale des Entreprises. That's quite a mouthful, INDR. He holds an MBA from HEC Lausanne and a Master of Business Law and Taxation from the University of Mannheim. Jean-Paul joined the tax team of KPMG Luxembourg in 2005, where he went from assistant to partner. And in January 2018, he joined UEL. UEL. Aline Muller is the CEO of LISER, the Luxembourg Institute of Socioeconomic Research, affiliate professor of economics and finance at the University of Luxembourg and the University of Liège, as well as member of the board of directors of the Luxembourg Central Bank. Liza's mission is to provide well-grounded and clear-cut answers to policy-relevant questions with the objective to advance knowledge in economic, social and spatial sciences. Aline presents at many leading international finance conferences and her work has been published in top-ranked finance journals. She regularly teaches finance economics and applied econometric courses at the Radboud University of Nijmegen, Nijmegen. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told how to pronounce this, Maastricht University, Erasmus University Rotterdam, the University of Luxembourg and the University of Liège, and also lectures at several universities in Europe, the Middle East, Africa and Australasia. Welcome to you both. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Wonderful to have you both here. So I'm going to start with a very open question. Let's start with indexation. What is
1: indexation? How did it come to be even? So indexation actually exists in Luxembourg now since uh, 75. What you have to know is that it covers both the public sector and the private sector. Actually, it roots back to 21 what relates to civil servants. So 75, it was applied to both private sector and public sector. In 2006, actually, this fact that uh, wages are automatically increased according to the evolution Of The index, which is the consumer price index, has been actually really at the center of a big debate because uh, there were continuing pressure from Europe and from the OECD to perhaps reconsider this system. Now in the tripartite system in Luxembourg, which is very famous, it was decided in 2006 to keep the indexation, but they agreed to fix brackets and to make sure that there is not more than one indexation per year. At that period, it was agreed between 2007 and 2009. Afterwards, it was prolonged until 2014. How does it work? It actually works with what we call a code d'application. So it's set with a point system which defines a code d'application. And then you always compare over a rolling window of six months the evolution of the consumer price index. And if this consumer price index on average over these six months is 2.5% higher than the code application, then there is an indexation. And if it's lower, this rolling window continues until... On average, there is an increase of 2.5%. It's very important this on average because it also prevents from small peaks to have directly an indexation.
0: Obviously, we're talking about this because there has been an index of 2.5% increase. But we are also living through COVID, still living through COVID. And that has meant that some supply chains have been bashed. They've stopped working. And that also has an effect on the consumer price index. So how have you managed to think about COVID within all of this?
1: What we observe is indeed is that the consumer price index typically can increase for very differential reasons. Here we have the impact of supply chain having a dominant, but not a predominant, but a dominant impact on the evolution of consumer price index. There are other periods of time where, for instance, When it was created in the 70s, it was really dominantly energy prices, which were really in the, I would say, in the lead in this evolution of the consumer price index. And coming back again now, energy prices. Energy prices are here, of course, also one of the dominant factors. What you have to be aware is that by applying this sort of indexation, what you do is that this indexation will create actually a second round effect of inflation. And the second round effect of inflation, even if the first, I would say, inflation is more grounded into energy prices, the second round effect, this inflation is much more marked in really consumer prices and not first raw material prices. And this creates, of course, a virtue circle by indexation you actually increase prices even further. This we have to be aware has an impact on economic activity because we know that when prices go up economic activity might decrease because prices go up in our country with respect to other countries where they rise less and hence this will lead to competitiveness losses which might harm economic activity. Tell us about which
0: countries in Europe still have indexation.
1: Oh, there are a couple of countries that still have indexation. For instance, Belgium. You have other countries which have abolished indexation. I can name here, given that I studied over there and I I started my career over there, was the Netherlands, is a famous example, where in 82, because they considered that due to the wage rigidity that indexation creates, the cost in terms of unemployment was too high. So in 82, they abolished, and indeed you see that their unemployment rate decreased, of course, not only because of the abolishment of uh, indexation, but also because of recovery and economic growth. Both. Then you have, I would say, also a mixed model or different types of mixed models. You have France, where the indexation only counts for social benefits and minimum wage threshold. And other countries, like, for instance, Italy, where this indexation is implicitly integrated in the bargaining mechanism.
0: Right. It's certainly not an easy topic, that's for sure. Jean-Paul, turning to you, the reason you're sitting here is because I saw your name already in the papers, let's say, when uh, the indexation was announced. What's your view?
2: the view that i uh, that i represent is the view of UEL and if you allow just tricks plain so UEL is the umbrella organisation of the luxembourg employers associations We are representing the Luxembourg private sector businesses and thereby you can already guess that our view on this is a little bit twofold. I mean, we understand that this is very positive things if it is about keeping purchase of power of people high. But on the other hand, you have the companies that have to to bear that cost and just the last indexation was an additional wage cost of 800 million for the Luxembourg economy. So this is something that has definitely also a negative impact on, on the economy. Especially also because we have that in Luxembourg, we have an open economy. And it's something that you don't necessarily see in other countries surrounding us.
0: Well, that is a major point. Luxembourg is not enormous and a lot of the workforce come in from the surrounding countries. And so how are your employers dealing with that? I don't know what percentage of their workforce comes in from the neighboring countries, but I imagine they might want to increase the number of people coming in because perhaps their payment will be differentiated.
2: About 85% of the people working in private sector in Luxembourg are non-luxembourgish if you take the, the very narrow definition uh, so most people that that come from foreign countries to Luxembourg to work work in the private sector indeed so they are also differently uh, affected by the increase of prices increase of inflation because of what Aline explained before is also that we have an inflation in Luxembourg that is on average higher in Luxembourg than in our surrounding countries which makes that also salaries are increasing faster in Luxembourg uh, than in other countries where there's more bargaining and where this bargaining effect uh, has always uh, a time lapse that, that it takes.
0: As you already mentioned, Aline, it's not a plateau across the various different sections of the wage categories. There's a marked differentiation. And you mentioned just now that France just target the lower socio bracket in terms of the indexation. So
1: in your view, what do you think Luxembourg should do? I I will not decide what Luxembourg (laughs) will do. But what I could say, so I think the debate happens in the tripartite and what has been the predominant discussion so far apparently has been to to keep in some way the social peace. Peace in industrial relations, that's one of the, I would say, the advantages of an indexation besides the fact that you keep the purchasing power, but with the cost, as we just mentioned, in terms of creating also inflation through the wage indexation.
0: Sorry to interrupt you on that point. It didn't seem that for the private sector, it is creating social
2: peace. It is creating social peace in the sense that people get an increase each time that inflation kicks in. And thereby, maybe there's less bargaining in Luxembourg about salary increases than what you see maybe in neighbouring countries. But as it is an automatism, it, it just happens. And uh, other considerations, like for instance now, the fact that we are in a crisis are not taken into consideration. And it's yeah. it's there where uh, it is kind of double-edged
1: Mm -hmm. I fully agree on this point. It keeps this debate out of the bargaining mechanism, I would say it like that. But keeping it in gives also more flexibility in the fact of applying it or not and where do we apply it? And there I come to the point of inequalities because it's a mixed picture when we look at inequalities. When we look, an indexation will apply exactly in the same way this 2.5% for low wages and high wages, which might say that in relative terms actually inequality remains stable. However, given that we have a progressive taxation system, actually the low wages will increase relatively more than the high wages. However, in absolute term, absolute inequality, which means that the absolute distance between low wages and high wages will increase. So the picture in inequalities from a pure, I would say, uh, uh, numbers perspective is already mixed. It's not clear cut that it will help in terms of inequalities. Where it does not help is that when You have, for instance, two economies where we have a productivity decrease and you have an indexation. As I said, economic activity will will be more hardly hit by an economy where you have wage rigidity introduced by this indexation, this loss of economic activity will most probably in many countries be actually detrimental to the low productivity workers. And these are very often the low skilled workers, so the low wages. And there you actually create a second round of inequality.
0: RTL Original Podcast you have a wonderful phrase there, the economic rigidity. It makes me think about the American system, the highly capitalist system, where there isn't so much economic rigidity. You probably don't want to be straightjacketed into that economic rigid position.
2: Arlene mentioned it with regard to lower salaries. So we have different types of inequalities because indexation kicks in in the same percentage for high salaries and for low salaries. So if you earn the minimum salary in Luxembourg over a year, you will have an index increase about €600 per year. If you have a salary of about €10,000, you will have an indexation increase that is about €3,000. So there you see that depending on what salary you have, you will have a higher impact. This being said, Luxembourg, we have several sectors, and there are sectors that are more profitable than others, especially, for instance, the finance sector. So it is not necessarily an issue, not directly an issue. Whereas, if you are considering sectors that have lower margins, it is a little bit more problematic. And then, considering that you have, for instance, a company in Luxembourg and another one in Trier producing the same goods, where the company in Trier does not need to apply an indexation, and the company in Luxembourg does need to apply an indexation, you will see over the years, especially as we are during now a period of higher inflation, an impact on the on the salary expenses into the companies and thereby also an unequal treatment at the level of the companies.
0: How does Luxembourg marry this continual indexation
1: or thoughts of indexation with the neighbouring countries? What can be said is that, and that's referring again to, to Jean-Paul's comment on Luxembourg's sector portfolio, I would say that nevertheless Luxembourg is less severely hit or suffers less in economic terms from its indexation than a country where for instance the manufacturing sector would have a much larger proportion. So these countries, and Belgium is one of them, are are really in terms of uh, competitiveness are much, much more severely hit due to this wage rigidity than Luxembourg. Then nevertheless when we are in a period where we are confronted to a crisis and this crisis has impacts, so not only temporary impacts, but has also medium-term and long-term impacts. The question of this wage rigidity needs to be discussed in clear terms also in order to see how these different sectors might evolve over time. Luxembourg has several times received the signals or kind of a pressure from the European Commission or from the OECD or from the IMF. Please reconsider or please have a look. In the most recent study related to indexation, it was not very clear cut that Luxembourg had suffered from indexation. But again... We were in a period, so this was a longer period, which is different than perhaps the upcoming period. So it would need to be reconsidered. We would need to make simulations in order to see what the indexation or a non-indexation would mean in terms of future economic activity.
0: Turning to you, Jean-Paul, again, you represent the private sector... Their profits fund a lot of the the taxes, of course, which uh, help pay for all of the social work that's done across Luxembourg and the public sector jobs. It's almost like a secondary layer, a domino effect. One thing affects another, affects another, affects another. So how do you think about all of those dominoes as they line
2: up? Indeed, the Luxembourg economy is indexed to a certain extent because if salaries increase very often, part of the, the product price is going to be increased as well, especially if it is about services that are rendered on the Luxembourg local market. As it was said in the beginning, it's not only the salaries of the private sector that are indexed, but it's also the salaries of the public sector. And the public sector in Luxembourg, roughly 104,000 people over the 450, so 25% of the people working in Luxembourg are working in the public sector. So this increases very much the salaries there and one angle where you can always see this, the entry-level salaries that you have in the public sector and in the private sector, because the public sector, even people that are going to be hired in two years, they will benefit of the, the increased indexation that has happened over the past years, whereby private sector salaries, they're always adjusted compared to what is the market salary that would be payable. And therefore, you would then also see it is accelerating this difference in price between the two. So all of this has to a certain extent have by a, a negative effect in our view on the on the economy and there's the bill on the competitivity that also mentions it with regard to the profitability of non financial companies in Luxembourg, where it says, Well, in comparison to other countries in Europe, we are really last on those sectors and these are also the sectors that I mentioned before, which being those that might have the lowest margins and if you consider now that we are going to enter into a higher inflation period, if you have inflation increasing over time, especially because of energy, we might run into a situation where you have three indexations within less than two years.
1: But that's not allowed, Eileen, is it? So far, it would technically be allowed. It was prolonged, but it's not active anymore. So I think in the third part, at least, it would need to be rediscussed. Mm. Well, that would be a fascinating situation then
2: also because we are now during the year if you have an index uh, kicking in in october another one the next year and another one beginning of the year after, you are Technically, in three calendar years, but in practice, they would happen very quickly. Just imagine a a company that has a salary expense of taking a a rough number, just 100,000, then 2.5% is 2,500 times 3, 7,500. So it's 7.5% or a little bit more that your salary expenses would increase over a very short period of time, which for a lot of companies could have a big impact
0: And of course, how do the companies pay for that? Well, their product services have to be increased as well, potentially, or at least to some degree. Moving to the point of the fragile labour structure and through COVID, a number of people have chosen to actually become freelancers or to increase their own freedom of work and have more time at home, perhaps. But that also comes with its own social security issues. So thinking about freedom versus social security for freelancers, what rights do freelancers have when it comes to asking for indexation on their services?
1: The first thing that I could say is perhaps more at the origin of increase of freelancer work because what we see here that is indexation creates a kind of wage rigidity and here also the timing is important. Of course, companies will legitimately try to adapt to this wage indexation which sometimes they have time to do uh, because before there there were times when the announcements of the indexation and the uh, implementation there were a couple of months sometimes it's a couple of days between both so you can adapt your labor demand between uh, these two dates but in any way it will have an impact on labor demand and also in the structure of this labor demand so it might for a company who needs to keep its competitiveness who needs to find the right structure of its labor force it might change how it will design the structure in the future perhaps with the recourse to more freelance work perhaps to more fixed-term contracts and to less permanent contracts so an indexation can also have an indirect impact on the fragilization of work in Luxembourg.
0: Mm-hmm. Jean-Paul, I'm thinking for many of your companies where their wages, if we have those three indexations in the space of, let's say, time-wise, two years, they might look towards freelancers to supply some of the necessary work to balance that out. What do you see in the companies that you represent? And also, with the point of view of the freelancer, how can they fight for their rights?
2: It's certainly a, a trend that we could observe. Of course, indexation is not the only aspect that has to be considered by a company when hiring people. We are generally in a situation of a lack of talent, a lack of, of people. So companies are happy to have, to have their people and to, to provide them with the comfort that they need to work uh, in order to to be able to produce their products but it adds on on other aspects there are many many rights for employees and these many rights uh, become implicit obligations uh, for the employers and as it was said that makes it slowly easier for employers to work with, uh, with freelancers because then it's quite easy there's a contract there's a service there's a price for the service and uh, it's more flexible than when you have uh, to work with employees because, I mean, there are so many leaves that are established by law, be it maternity or paternity leave, parental leave, leave for family reasons, leave for social mandates, linguistic leave, leave to move house, leave for marriage and declaration of partnerships, etc. So So there's so many. Uh, and then, of course, all other absences on medical grounds, etc. So all of these things, you would not have to take care of it if you are working with freelancers. But then again, of course, the the flip side of the flexibility would be that they might not be there for your company when you need them. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's always a, a balance to find. And therefore, I, I believe personally that this is also something that you would rather see in the long, longer term. And that it is not only due to uh, what the companies would like to have, but maybe also the flexibility, the way of life that some people are choosing, uh, not necessarily in a situation of COVID as it was now, but Mm. in, in normal economic terms where people say, well, I prefer to work for different people. Mm-hmm.
0: But what rights then do freelancers have or with your hats of expertise on how could they go about fighting for their rights? You've just wheeled off a, a huge list of amazing opportunities that hired workers have when it comes to various types of leave from linguistic leave to moving house to getting married, etc., What can a freelancer do to stand up for themselves when it comes to asking for rights, having that paid for slightly, if there's any social net for them there, but more importantly, with the indexation, can they increase
1: their prices as well? I would say technically speaking yes of course so it's uh, freelancers is uh, the negotiation it's also a bargaining negotiation of the contract they have this possibility to integrate in their contracts a price increase. However, the question will always be, with this price increase, will they be as competitive as another freelancers from another country? Mm-hmm. And
0: what do you observe?
2: I agree. I agree on that. So it always depends on the service that you provide. Are your competitors just uh, within Luxembourg or are they outside of Luxembourg? In which case, uh, taking language courses, your your teacher could be in the other side of the world. You also see those platforms, depending on the language, the prices are different just because competition is different. And uh, for Luxembourg, I would say we need the freelancers. Freelancers are kind of the oxygen of the economy because it gives flexibility to companies on the one side. But also, uh, generally speaking, freelancers are innovative. They have a feeling of entrepreneurship, and that's what we need. Uh, also, in the current situation where we have a lot of businesses that are going to transfer ownership after after the baby boomers go, to, uh, <laughs> go on to take their pension and... Uh, <laughs> But what we definitely also need on the other side is a rebalancing of of the freedom and some social protection for freelancers also to have the the social net that they need in case of uh, problems. Well,
0: the pension might be another topic we'll come on to another day, (laughs) but not today. Have you got any final thoughts or comments on the points of indexation or your overall conclusions?
2: One thing that I would like to add uh, with, when it comes to freelancers is the six measures. When you're speaking about rebalancing of freedom and social protection, the, the two chambers, Chamber of Commerce and Chamber of Craft, they have drafted six measures to enhance self-employed status through better social protection. Uh, it's uh, something that they have elaborated in close cooperation with the companies, and it's a first step in order to to get a global reflection on social protection of self-employed people. This will cover many different things, the early retirement pension combination of that with professional income, the protection when it comes to partial unemployment, but rather unemployment, or the full unemployment scheme. Where today there are differences between the status that you have as a, as a salaried worker uh, on the one hand and uh, the freelancers on the other hand. And this is definitely something that is going to, if it is going to be put in place and I uh, have to, say that the government has already introduced some measures that have revalued the self-employed status, then we will have more people that are going to take that as an opportunity, maybe more also international people come to Luxembourg and uh, working from here and that it was definitely something that we would see as a, as a positive thing.
0: Just finally, then, on the point of freelancers, who should they go to for more information?
2: When we speak about freelancers, we always think about the doctor, the lawyer, the liberal professions.
0: I don't. (laughs) The
2: journalists. journalists. But uh, but indeed, many also business owners are freelancers. And one place where they can always get information is at the House of Entrepreneurship. It's kind of a guichet unique for entrepreneurs where they get information on on all legal and uh, social and also economic aspects that could be of interest to
1: them. Yeah, it's always very good to highlight that. And the final word to you, Aline. Yeah, perhaps to come back to uh, what you mentioned before, not whether there is an origin of indexation due to the COVID period, but let's concentrate on, on perhaps the after COVID period the COVID period has had an impact on economic activity, not only a temporary one, not only the lockdown, we see it in many areas. It has substantially accelerated digitalization. The labor structure will really be deeply transformed due to this crisis. We really have to talk about the recovery. We really have to talk about investment. And in these circumstances where we have, as Jean-Paul said, we cannot claim, that we have uh, productivity levels and a productivity growth that keeps us not worried and uh, keeps us relaxed. No, I think that a debate, a clear debate about indexation, as I said before, simulation in order to see what could happen if we keep indexation. Perhaps could we, perhaps we discuss the terms. It's not in the business of research at all to foster or participate in this debate, but perhaps to document and to give the evidence in order to to move forward and to prepare the economic activity to the, the challenges that we will be facing in the upcoming years and decades and it really is a fascinating
0: part of research and part of the work that you do at Leiser thank you both for your expertise thank you for your time coming into RTL today and for our listeners if you have any personal stories when it comes to indexation positive or negative or just some thoughts from where you've lived other parts of the world please do write in to us we'd love to hear from you and the same with the point of view of freelancers we'd love to hear your stories positive, negative any thoughts you've had that have changed during your time living in Luxembourg or if through COVID you've also decided to become a freelancer and provide your services in a unique and individual way. So thank you so much for listening.